Hi, it's James from TXWaterPolo.com, and this week I'm on vacation, which is good for me, but frankly bad for the audio quality of this podcast. So apologies in advance, but thanks for hanging in there as we try to improve the quality of our production over the next few weeks, and enjoy the pod. Today we wrap up this year's Junior Olympics, talk to Chris Cullen about his trip to Europe, and tie up some loose ends. It's the TX Water Polo Podcast. I'm James Smith, this week in Bethany Beach, Delaware, and here's Joe Linehan. Hi, Joe. What's going on, James? How's California? Um, Bethany Beach, Delaware. So quite the Ah, opposite coast. But the beaches are almost nearly as beautiful. I don't, uh, it's, it's a yearly... Thing that we do with the family i can't d- deny that I, I enjoy it a lot but you, and you might even be able to tell that there's less echo because i'm in a rental house room that has actual not concrete walls so hopefully that will positively affect this whole thing well um yeah, yeah just, just uh, uh, i am sure it'll be good, good. i'm still, still in my office, office at my house, house. So there you go. like i said <laughs> which is, like like i've said we're muddling through this everybody knows that so uh i don't i think we'll be forgiven but um, unfortunately, we have to start with a little bit of a, a sort of sad news. Um, the and It's not necessarily Texas news, but the American Senior National Women won their third straight championship. They beat Spain 11-6 last Friday. And after that, um, several uh, athletes were celebrating at a nightclub in Guangzhou, Korea, and uh, the floor collapsed. Um, and uh, terrible news, uh, two Koreans were killed, um, and Kaylee Gilchrist uh, one of the stars, really, of the women's national team received a laceration deep enough that she required a tourniquet, and she's been in the hospital. Um, she's been in the this hospital for a few days, but hopes to return to the United States today. Um, we're recording on Tuesday. That's according to CBS News. Um, Paige Housechild and Ben uh, Johnny Hooper and Ben Halleck were all there and uh, received slight injuries as well, but were apparently released. But really, I just wanted to get that out of the way. Terrible news um, and scary news, um, and we can then um, just move on to slightly lighter fare. But I thought that was important to cover. Yeah, it's just it's uh, it's just very thankful that uh, more people didn't get hurt or seriously injured. And um, I do know that the men and women were both celebrating. Yeah, the men ended up getting ninth place for the win over Montenegro. Um, so both teams finished on a very strong note, and the women obviously won the championship. And uh, and just, uh, um, just thank God that uh, that Kaylee Gilchrist, it, like, like it was only uh, some minor surgery, and then she's going to be uh, just coming home soon. Yeah, so. yeah, it's it's uh, overshadowed a bit of a, I mean, a tremendous story. The United States win again; they've done so three straight, and they are on a, I think it's a 54 game win streak. Um, and re- really worthy of celebration, and uh, we're not that far away from 2020 Olympics, where they could, where they could threepeat. They're that good. Um, and uh, if those who follow our Twitter will see, I retweeted at least a couple items from reporters who are now saying, you know, this is a team you should pay attention to. This is the U.S. women's soccer team received a great deal of attention over the summer, but this is a team that's maybe as good if not even better than the women's soccer team yeah and uh i mean and they're going to continue here soon enough too like uh, both men and women are going to be leaving later this week kind of kind of for the pan-american games as well so they're 
it's, 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 it's not a lot of rest, and then they have to fly home and then get on another flight and, yeah, and kind of compete for the Pan Am Games. So. Yeah. And just a quick shout-out to the USA Water Polo senior staff that was there, Chris Ramsey, John Abdu, Greg Nestle, um, all the trainers and doctors. Yeah, I mean, this was this is not something that happens um, all the time, and they did a great job over there just taking care of the American athletes and a big, uh, kind of a big shout-out to them. So. Yeah, was the, the, as CBS reported, the trainer for the men's national team was there as well and applied a tourniquet to... Uh, to um, uh, Kaylee, and that's pretty serious stuff. So, um, yeah, well done to them. And also just to note that that, that win, it, I, I suspect that ninth place is not exactly where the U.S. men wanted to be at the end of that tournament. But the win over Montenegro was a big deal, and they beat them by one. Montenegro is not as strong this year, but that was a really solid, gutsy win. On to some more interesting news, at least for Texans in particular, is uh, Junior Olympics are over. It's finally done. It's uh, the, the wind-up and then the actual execution of the tournament goes by so quickly, and then all of a sudden it's just finished. And so um, there were some really interesting, successful uh, performances by Texas teams. Uh, the one that stands out to me is the Thunder 14-year-old girls. They place... 17th in the platinum division of the championship bracket and finished with a six and three record um, and maybe the best performance of any texas team in the entire tournament i believe that is of the of the entire tournament in 2019 yes yeah and uh, that was by far the highest placing team um it's uh yeah uh, they beat chelsea pierce chop uh mayfield they even beat six city drivers and diablo allowance or Diablo Alliance as right. well. Yep. So, I mean, they gave some teams that are in the top 10 a, a run for their money, and they played very, yeah, and they played very well. Yeah, so. really, really impressive. Is there anybody else who stands out to you from this, the, the second session, which featured um, 10 and under mixed, but then the rest of them were essentially girls' teams? I think the 10 and under, I mean, just, yeah, yeah, yeah let's just start with, the, like, the young kids first. Like, the 10 and under by provision team, they got 22nd in gold with uh, wins over Trojan and uh, yeah, in La Miranda. I think they went 3 and 4, kind of, like, with an overall record. So I think they did great. And, like, you know, you never really know with the, with the 10 and under group, but there's probably only a handful of teams that are even out there from outside of California. So... I think they, I, I think they had a great showing. I think the Viper Pigeons did very well. They got 21st in gold in, in the 14 and under girls, and they had wins over Big Valley and, and uh, American River as well. Um, oh, what is it? The Cy Fair uh, Water Polo Club uh, for the 18 and girls. Uh, they were the highest placed 18 and girls, and they got 13th. Um, again, with wins over Big Valley and then the Northern Illinois from the Midwest Zone. And then you had the 600 girls with uh, Thunder Black was the other team they got in the Platinum. They got 23rd place, and they had a huge win the first yeah the first game of JOs. They had a win over Vanguard. Wow. And the final score was 8.15 to 8.14. <laughs> yeah, incredible. So, um, so that is three full rounds of shootouts and that's a hell of a way to start geos the first day so um so they got into platinum and they had other wins against greenwich and arroyo grande and stuff like that the viper pigeon uh 1600 girls got second in gold so they got all the way to the gold medal game in the 1600 girls and they had wins over over bakersfield and arroyo grande as well so overall i mean up and down the line i mean 
there were teams from Longhorn and Southside, and uh, and there were uh, various teams, you know, you know, from Thunder and Viper Pigeon. Overall, up and down the line, I think it was a very good group of, of teams. There were 17 total girls teams. They all did well. A couple of them were out there to get some very good, strong experiences. So I am very happy with the results. I think that I think the coaches are very happy with the results. And again, I think we talked about this last week, kind of with the boys. The kids are going to come back, and they're going to tell their friends about how much fun they have. Right. So hopefully that's going to yeah, and hopefully that's going to kind of get more kids kind of wanting to play more. Um, I hope that the kids that they might have lost some games, they don't come back with their heads down, but they yeah 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 they come back and, and they're ready to work hard and get better. So. I think that experience is something that uh, that is memorable above anything. Like, of course, winning and having trophies and hardware is great stuff. Nobody would deny that. But the just the overall experience. I mean, you can you can vicariously see it via social media. They're heading to the beach, you know, places that they don't normally get a chance to go to. So, um, really, really interesting and good time. Um, apparently, for all of Texas teams is. It, do we know anything about next year's tournament that is going to diff, be different? Do we know whether it's a NorCal tournament? Do we know what's, what's coming up uh, that of, is of interest to Texas teams? Well, I mean, uh, it's going to be in Northern California. It, it just it, it just flip-flops between Orange County and the Stanford, San, uh, kind of San Jose area each year. Um, it, yeah, it's going to be no major differences that we have at this time. But overall, as far as kind of just to touch upon what you were just saying as far as you know the like the you know, like the memories. Just I went out to jails for 15 straight years as a coach, and whenever I get together with coaches or kids, and we talk about the jails trips, we don't necessarily talk about the results. We uh, we talk about the stories in the vans. We talk about the stories of can you believe what this kid said or that parent or or like or whatever. And those are the stories that yeah 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 that we all remember those life experiences. And that's and that's what you sports are about. So most definitely. All right, we're done with the first segment. We'll come back with uh, with Chris Cullen. He's um, uh, going to talk a bit about a futures tournament in Europe and of course his experience with his club Thunder at JLs. We'll be right back. Have you noticed that there are no advertisements for dental care or online recruiting services on the TX Water Polo podcast? Same with the website, no pop-ups, no banner ads. Well, we'd like to keep it that way, so we're asking for your support. Your donation will help us with new equipment, better sound quality, interesting writers, and maybe even improved podcast hosts. So to help us expand and improve our coverage of the sport and state we love, go to txwaterpolo.com forward slash donate. That's txwaterpolo.com forward slash donate and be sure to subscribe to the pod on apple google stitcher spotify or radio public and give us a good rating if you like what you hear it's the tx water polo podcast james smith and joe lanahan and joining us is chris cullen the uh, technical director for the north dallas thunder um chris how are you i'm doing great glad to be home yeah, just back from California, I'm assuming, for J- Junior Olympics. Yeah, we were out there 10 days for the taking. We had 11 Thunder teams out there, so glad to be home and uh, resting up. So, so yeah, Chris, this is Joe. Um, have you woken up yet? Kind of, yeah, just kind of uh, in the midst of a dream going up to be to a, at a pool? Of course, you always like it. 
sit up real quickly and go, okay, I got a 7 a.m. game. What, what time is it? Uh, where am I? <laughs> and then for the first few days, it's kind of uh, the groundhog day over and over again. Like, you got to get up, you got to feed the kids, load the van, let's go. So. Yeah, it's hard. to. I think a lot of people believe that the coaches are out there to draw up uh, incredible plays on a whiteboard, but it's really not even close to that. Oh, no. At that point, you've done all the work all season, all, all school year, and at that point, it's just let's get them there, uh, keep them fed and hydrated and trying to perform the best we can at that moment. All the work's done. Well, I mean, I'm not quite sure exactly how Thunder does it anymore, but I – do believe that the coaches still drive the vans, right, Chris? Uh, oh yeah, the, yeah. We're the bus driver, the like the entertainment scheduler. Let's make sure we get them to eat and go uh, take them to see their teammates play, the other age groups, and uh, get them all over the place. So we're uh, it's a full time, twenty four seven. Make sure they're in their room and they're uh, doing all the things they need to be doing. So and that's and that's a little unique, I think. I don't think I think there's a lot of I mean. There are a lot of clubs outside of California that do that because it's like a one-year trip. But there's a lot of clubs in California, outside of California, that the coaches just simply show up at the pool and coach the game. Yeah, I mean, car, etc. So, um, but I would like to. I mean, I always like kind of hanging out in the van and getting to know the kids and stuff like that. So. Yeah, it's a great experience for the kids. It's we, uh, you know, you bond, the kids bond together and you get to know the kid. I mean, when you're spending, you know, 30, 45 minutes to the to the game venue and then back and after the game talks and, you know, when you only have two or three games a day, you, you spend a lot of time with them outside the pool. So they get to have that great experience outside the pool as well. Yeah, so you sent all, so you sent eleven teams out there, and uh, Joe and I have already discussed at least in uh, in this podcast and in previous weeks the two that stood out, which were the, your fourteen and under girls who uh, achieved a pretty uh, high outcome in the in the platinum division, and your eighteen and under boys who did really well last weekend. Um, any anyone any comments you want to make about those teams, but also highlighting other thing other teams that you uh, felt did really well. Sure. Our 1,400 girls, they did fantastic. They uh, they finished 17th, which is a personal, like our club record of highest finish ever at JOs. We, in 2015, we had a two, uh, 18th place finish. But uh, we beat clubs, 680, Diablo, in that 14U division. So, so perennial powerhouses in the girls' divisions. So we're very proud of them. They did a fantastic job. Uh, Troy Goddard did an awesome job with that team. Um, you know, love Last year they won the gold division, and this year they in the 14U. This year they bumped up to platinum and moved uh, all the way down to 17th. So the 16 and under girls finished 23rd. They made platinum and won one game in platinum. So we were excited about that, and so it was a great overall weekend for us. Excellent. Um, and in the meantime, you're getting ready to head over to Europe, and the the tournament is a futures tournament. What can you tell us about that? Sure. Uh, USA Water Polo uh, implemented it, I believe, last year. Uh, kids were selected and coaches from NTSC, the national team selection camp, from all around the country. If they um, they didn't make the travel team, or even if they did, they uh, certain groups were selected to play an international competition. It's kind of like a, uh, a development, not the age group, but a, a stepping stone to the national team. So we do have five athletes from the Southwest Zone. And myself as a coach for the cadet boys, and we're we're attending a tournament in Barcelona. So we're going to go for some common training in Barcelona, 
and then the youth team, uh, boys and girls, are uh, attending a tournament in Budapest. So it's kind of last year, I believe, they just had youth, and this year they added cadets as well. So there's two groups or four teams total uh, uh, attending training and competitions in Europe. So it's kind of give us a way to have some international competition uh, and yet a little more accessibility to those who maybe didn't quite make national travel team. Yeah, is, yeah. is this your first time to Spain, Chris? This will be my first time to Spain and first time involved in international competition. So I'm really excited about that. They, the coaches from ODP uh, applied to be a part of that program, and I was selected to be the cadet uh, assistant coach for the boys. And so I'm really uh, excited. I know it makes a long August right after JOs. I'm leaving on Thursday, but for New York for some common training, and then we're going to head to Spain, I believe, on Saturday. So it's, uh, it's exciting. And, uh, and you have, uh, what, uh, Jackson Benners on your team from uh, Pegasus? Yeah, Jackson Benners from Pegasus uh, Water Polo Academy is on my team. And uh, Spencer Shelley from Thunder Water Polo playing for the youth, uh, along with uh, Leo from um, from Trident, Sadie Salas for the girls' side, and Drew Miller from uh, Viper Pigeons is participating as well. So five Southwest Zone athletes in the Futures teams. Very exciting to have that many uh, Texas kids playing uh, international water polo. Yeah. yeah. What do you know about the the rest of the kids on these rosters? Uh, they're uh, apparently distributed pre- pretty widely throughout the United States. Yeah, it is a uh, it's it was a selection process from uh, players who made the national team selection camp, and then so it's from the Northeast uh, to SoCal to. Uh, Northern California to coastal, um, as well as Central California, Southeast zone. So there's a lot of different, um, all the different zones. I believe I'm not sure if it was. It's not required for any zones to be rep, rep, uh, represented, but they. Uh, it is a wide variety of athletes. So, and, and do you know who you're going to be working with? Who's the head coach? Brett Whiney. I'm pretty. Sure, yeah, I believe that's the head coach. Brett Brett Whiney. Good, yeah, it, yeah. It sounds like a lot of fun. And are you gonna get the? Um, I mean, I, I know Sadie Salas is a kid from your club, and even your and yeah, and even your high school. Are you gonna get to watch her play a little bit? Is she gonna be in the same area? I believe so. Yeah, we're all at stake together, and so I'm not. I believe that I, I've seen the details, and so I think the girls' games and boys' games will be uh, side by side. You know, like uh, concur, uh, not not concurrent, so we can you know kind of cheer on. The, the boys' side is the girls' side as well as the boys' side. Great. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Sadie actually uh, didn't she make the uh, like the cadet national team as well? She did the cadet national team and played at the uh, senior nationals. They the cadet team played three exhibition games in the tournament, and so they got experience playing the youth national team and other uh, collegiate programs. So that was a great opportunity for them to play and they um she she had a great experience and looking forward to even making the next the team again next year excellent well chris cullen we'll be talking to you again but thank you for your time we're done all right thank you have a great day all right thank you very much hi i'm u.s olympian janai kerr and when i need to stay up to date with my water polo news in texas i listen to the tx water polo podcast
James Smith and Joe Linehan with the TX Waterpolo Podcast. A um, couple other short items to cover. Um, one is that uh, there was a, you, you wanted to share an experience that you had um, when you did travel out to JOs to just to indicate that winning isn't really all the most important thing necessarily. I mean, yeah, just a shout out again to all the teams that yeah that traveled out there. There were forty total teams from the Southwest Zone, and 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 a few of those teams kind of came back and they did not win a game, which is okay. There have been teams before you. There'll be teams next year and five years from now that don't win games. That's okay. It's the experience, the lessons learned. I mean, I remember when I was with Thunder, we brought out a team out to JOs back in 2010, a 12 and under girls team, and we didn't win a game. And then the next year, it was the same girls, and like, and they played in the 12 and under girls, and they won one game. And that girls group, they had seven girls from that from 2011 that that have gone on and are currently playing water polo in college. Incredible. And they eventually played in the platinum division in 16 and 18 and, and under girls. That same group. So I mean, it's, yeah, it's just my feeling at the at the tens and twelves groups. You know, it's going out there and having a very good experience, win, lose, or, or whatever, but then every year just try to get better and better and better as, as that group packs together, stays together, and keeps playing. So. Well, what was your experience with uh, managing sort of expectations? I mean, you have parents who may or may not uh, be interested in the fact that their kids didn't win a game in the whole tournament. Was that, was that something that you had to manage? Was it troublesome? Well, I mean, that's just... Um, that's part of the parent education piece. You gotta, you gotta give the parents the expectation. Yeah, yeah. Before they go, so if they go out there and you say, "Hey, this is gonna be a good, strong tournament," they're gonna learn a lot. They may not win very many games. There's a chance that they may not. Yeah, that they may not win a game. If you tell the parents that and you let them know beforehand, it's all good. Right. But if you go out there and you think you're gonna win, 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 and that. And then you go out there and you don't. Then the parents are all mad, and that's and that's and that's and that's not something that you know you want to be be uh, to be part of. And again, we mentioned this last week on the boys. You know, there's three types of teams: the teams that go out there to win games, the teams that go out there just to have a good experience, win or lose, and then 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 uh, kind of kind of most of the teams are in the middle. They want to try to win games, but they want to have a good experience while they're doing it. Yeah. Most of and. All this and the majority of the Southwest Zone teams fall into that category. Okay, and um, there are a couple teams that are going out there to win games. Yes, but I was not out at the tournament this year. But I've heard only good things from all the clubs that went out there. Said it was the best JOs ever. Um, so a big shout out to all those like the tournament host and Nick Baba who kind of runs through the back end. Um, it just keeps getting better and better. Yeah, the tournament each and every year. So. Well, and you mentioned the, uh, the how many of your girls went on to uh, collegiate careers. We have a couple of other items just to tie up some loose ends. Um, we want to be able to talk about recruits, um, obviously. So we want to hear from you, um, our audience, about who is going where to college. There's just a couple that I wanted to begin with. It's by no means the entire recruiting class of this upcoming, of this upcoming freshman class, but Chase Honaker is, uh, is already at UCLA. He signed earlier or late in the spring, really. Um, and to be one of their goalkeepers. A really interesting spot because obviously UCLA is one of the choicest programs in the country, um, but he's going to he's gonna face some pretty stiff competition amongst, including Alex Wolf, who's a senior national team starting goalkeeper. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, there are, there are kids that are going out to play in college 
from Texas every year. I mean, I haven't coached for the last couple of years, but I know I sent 125-plus kids to go play NCAA varsity water polo somewhere in the previous 10 years. And that's from the Houston, yes. So that's back from whenever I was in Houston all, all the way up through now. And there are, I mean, yes, I wish Chase uh, nothing but the best. But there are kids There are kids from the Viper Bridges. There are kids from uh, from Thunder and uh, in Rockwall. Even, yeah, even had some kids going to play in Longhorn and Southside. Um, so I'm, so I get excited and I'm excited to go and just kind of yeah, and kind of watch the results online every every fall and spring and kind of and kind of follow all all the Texas kids. All right. so. And you mentioned Longhorn, Aldo Ordonez has been a, a staple of the Central Texas scene for some time. He signed with Fordham, which is I think actually I'm fairly certain that's Longhorn's first. Um, Division One signing ever, so well done to him. There, there are others, by the way, on the way um, from Longhorn. I know, uh, but he's the first, so uh, well done to him. And as we said, we do not want to just focus on those two. If you have information or news about uh, athletes who are heading off to play in college, by all means, get in contact with us at Pod at TXWaterPolo.com, and uh, not to mention that we'll be speaking with the only NCAA coach in Texas. Mark Lawrence in the coming weeks uh, to talk about his recruiting class and what the upcoming season is like. Um, a couple other items. One is a couple of uh, of those players from Trident are out in uh, Croatia training with uh, the, I guess, the best player in U.S. history, Tony Azevedo. Um, and uh, you might be able to see some stuff on our social media, which uh, shows just how beautiful <laughs> it is where they're training. Plus, they get uh, um, some high-quality games. And then one final item is that the, our, our uh, colleague, uh, Steve Carrera, his podcast, uh, Off the Deck, he spoke with a legendary coach, Sandy Nita. Um, she f- is a former coach of the U.S. women's national team. She's been at Team Vegas H- Henderson for years. And she brought up some things about USA Water Polo, which are very interesting. I mean, and the essential crux of it was, if you wanted to pinpoint one thing, was that it, she was a little wary of how much um, USA Water Polo was focused on earning and gaining money, and I wanted to see if you had any comments about. I have an opinion about this, um, but I wanted to throw that controversy in front of you. Well, I mean, I work for USA Water Polo, so they so they sign my paychecks. But um, it's I mean I've worn many hats within USA Water Polo, kind of kind of kind of over the years, uh, from a player to. A zone coach to uh, to to assistant uh, national team B coaches. Um, to, yeah, the zone chair to uh, and now I'm now I'm working in sports growth. Um, and back in the mid two thousands, USA Warpool made a huge a huge transition from a, 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 like a volunteer based model um, to more of a professional based model with a home office with a, with a bigger. A, a, professional staff and that's when Chris Ramsey came in and a new board of directors came in kind of led by Mike Graff and ever since then each and every year USA Water Polo has gained traction and gotten yeah has gotten bigger and better and at, and at the time of that transition there was a lot of um, issues as far as uh, behind the scenes on on the finance side and nowadays you know USA Water Polo is yeah is yeah, has some very solid footing they then, then we provide a lot of very good things for the athletes around the country. 
Um, and yes, that is an easy thing to say as far as, oh, they're only in it for the money or what have you. But I mean, that is being, that is being very short-sighted. Um, there are a lot of avenues that USA Water Polo is, yeah, is trying to grow, is trying to grow the sport out there. You have the national teams, you like you got tournaments like the National Junior Olympics. There's a zone tournaments of like uh, throughout the country to qualify for the National Junior Olympics. Um, there are there are signature events throughout the country. Um, there are sports growth and um, and like kind of initiatives here in Texas. Um, we're trying to do the same thing in other little pockets around the country as well. Um, there are um, there are grants and yeah and funding. There's the um, just kind of growing clubs at all the various levels, including NCAA collegiate club, Parks and Rec, YMCA. There is a huge like uh, like a lot of different avenues to get growth, and the home office does a great job. I mean, and yeah, and not everything is out there, and yeah, and yeah, and being publicized. So there's a lot of there's a lot of what people don't know what they don't know. Yeah. So, um, and, uh, and I mean, I'm going to, I mean, I would not be working for USA Water Polo right now if I did not believe in the organization. And there's been times in the past, a long time ago, that I would have never worked full-time, you know, kind of, yeah, just kind of for the sport. But I came back a couple of years ago because I believe that there's a lot of potential within the sport to grow and thrive, right. and we've only got concerns. I so. think I think uh, her comments are worthy of listening to. She's been around for a long time. She knows that she's been enormously successful at growing the sport. Um, I would only be cautious about assigning any one single variable to the to what may be uh, inhibiting growth, and that re- is really the crux of the issue. It's it's we. The idea would be we would be growing faster if only these resources were re. Were, were basically redirected to certain um, different entities. That may very well be true, but uh, I, I suspect that there's many, many other variables that are not being taken into account. And, um, but you know, she makes, she makes some very valid and interesting points and uh, somebody, to be, somebody to be listened to. So um, on that note, we'll, we're gonna wrap up here. And just a reminder that uh, we want you to contact us. Again, pod at txwaterpolo.com. Um, Twitter is TX Water Polo, Facebook TX Water Polo, Instagram is TX underscore Water Polo, and of course on the web at TXWaterPolo.com. Also, if you have music, if you're a musician or involved in the Texas Water Polo scene, but you have a band on the side and you want to have bumper music sent to us, by all means, we, we want to hear from you also. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll try to feature you in one of our podcasts. So, um, thanks to everybody. Thanks to Chris Cullen for joining us. Thank you, Joe, as always. Thanks to our hosts at Red Circle, and thank you for listening and telling a friend about the TX Water Polo Pod. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy Delaware, Jim. Thanks. Let the world spin you closer to me. Take a chance on us, roll me. Together we'll find what brought you close to me.